This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, September 9th, 2012. Traps. The Fear Trap. Anyway, we continue our series this morning on traps. Today, our trap we're looking at is fear traps. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you for today. It's a day that you've made, a day that um, you had in mind for us a long time ago. It's no accident, Lord, that any one of us are here today. Open our hearts that we might hear your word, that we might leave a little bit differently than when we came in, that we might take a look at fear in our lives and be free. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit and everybody gathered said, Amen. So traps, as we said last week, traps utilize the elements of surprise and delusion and even camouflage in order to catch the victim unaware. That's because if you see a trap, if you recognize a trap, you, you're probably going to try to avoid it. We, uh, we were looking today, we were going to try to get a uh, BHBT, that's a big honking bear trap, you know, those kind with a big metal teeth that when you, when you, you know, you spread it out, you, well, when it's loaded for bear, <laughs> um, you know, you would probably uh. steer clear of it because, you know, if you put your foot in it, it's going to, you know, do some severe damage to your leg. But from what Murray told us, these are illegal now, so we couldn't get hold of one. But you can imagine, if you saw one, you'd avoid it, right? Unless you're goofy, unless you want your leg destroyed, you know. We don't want to get caught in traps. That's the thing, because traps are not good things. At least they're not good for the one who is getting trapped. Now, some of the greatest, some of the most debilitating, some of the most devastating, joy-robbing traps have to do with fear. Fear traps. Fear, at one time or another, traps all of us. You know, if you go online, you'll see hundreds, actually thousands of fears that people have, and they actually end with the word phobia. Take a listen. So we picked us a couple just to take a look at. Maybe you're familiar with them, maybe you're not, like a blue to phobia, a fear of washing or bathing. Now, I'm sure nobody here has that, but maybe you know somebody who does. You know, you know what I'm saying here? Or... I, I can appreciate this, getting a little bit of uh, nausea sometimes. Aeronauseophobia, a fear of vomiting resulting from air sickness. Maybe you've had I to, did not this, pick that I'd one. I'd like to know what the fear of not having an air ba- a bag there handy would be. But anyway, and, and I, didn't, I thought this one was really crazy. And then I thought back, I was a freshman in college living at home. My sister's much younger than me. Maybe it was in high school, but she was learning to play the flute. You ever live with somebody, I don't mean flute's a beautiful instrument, but when they're just learning, I think maybe I had this all, all, all a phobia, a fear of the flute, or at least a fear of that squeaky flute sound when you, you know. So those are just a couple of these. We have other cacophobia, fear of ugliness, and then kind of the, the, <laughs> the flip side of this. And I, I understand that one. We're kind of afraid of Carrie, caligonophobia, fear of beautiful women, you know. Kind of flip side, and then, and then you all, I should get some points of that, don't you think? But 
I go through points so fast it doesn't matter. Um, okay, so none of you have this one, ecclesiophobia, I don't think, or you wouldn't be here, right? And then the granddaddy of all the phobophobia. That's a fear of being afraid. Kind of reminds me of that, you know, what FDR said back in World War II, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> go online, this list goes on and on. Not hundreds, I'm sure there's thousands. And some of them seem kind of far-fetched, right? Some of them, but the thing is, somebody somewhere, someplace must have had it, or why would they have dreamed the name up for it, you know? So uh, there's a lot of, lot of uh, fears out there, aren't there? A lot of fears. So most of us don't have these particular fears, but the truth is we all have fear in one way or another. And if we're not careful, that fear really can trap us. We all have fear um, in common, possibly fear of death. A lot of people have fear of dying or fear of loss of one kind or another. It could be fear of loss of health or loss of a relationship, um, loss of income, loss of job. We sometimes are very afraid of those kinds of things. But when those things, which it's natural to have fear in that direction, but when it becomes a paralyzing fear, a fear that just takes over, we really can be trapped in that fear. And we're talking about the kind of fear that grips us, that traps us, that overwhelms us. Mm. A fear that can really entrap us is the fear of failure. In fact, it's got one of those phobia names, uh, a tychophobia. And, and we're often afraid we're going to fail when we're trying something new, when we're leaving what we know and travel into the unknown. We, we may have found success in what we're doing, you know, in that little comfort zone. And we step out of that comfort zone into something we haven't tried before. And when we do that, there's always that possibility of not having the success that we've had before, always that possibility of experiencing failure. Now, the fear of failure might be heightened if what, uh, what we need to do is done in a public place. Uh, other people might see that we fail, and that really, I think, stops us from doing some things that we're actually called to do. You know, public speaking is said to be one of the greatest fears, standing in front of people. And I admit that there are Sundays where... Uh, fear kind of does does grip me, and uh, it's hard for me to um, get here at times. But, you know, that's not where God wants me, and that's not where God wants any of us, to have a fear that just takes over. Have you often avoided trying to do something because you were just afraid of failure? Fear of failure is very, very real. And very prevalent in Scripture, right? It is prevalent in Scripture. In fact, in Matthew, not Matthew, in Exodus chapter 3, I was thinking about Moses. starts with an M anyway. (laughs) Moses, if you have your Bibles, um, maybe later you can read Exodus 3. We read where God has a very important mission for Moses. And God presents God's self to Moses in a very creative way where there's really no question that it's God because Moses is walking and they're out of a bush that's burning, nothing else around. Moses, Moses. 
And Moses stops and listens, and God has this this big, big thing that God wants Moses to do, and that's to go up against the most powerful leader in the area named Pharaoh. Well, Moses has lots and lots of excuses. Oh, I can't talk. I can't blah, blah, blah. And God doesn't really take no for an answer. But actually, I, you know, Moses was scared to death. He was afraid he would fail. I think he was probably afraid for his life. But God continued to work with Moses. Moses said, yes, can you just imagine what Moses would have lost out on? That kingdom building. You know, God was going to get the job done. But Moses ended up saying yes, and he had an opportunity to be a part of a God-sized vision to free God's people. Mm. Fear of failure isn't necessarily a bad thing if we don't allow it to entrap us. Like the guy in the film there, he's afraid of a ball getting hit. Maybe go out and take some extra infield practice. Or if you're afraid you weren't going to get a hit, maybe you'd take some extra batting practice. When I was in commission sales, I had a fear of failure. My fear was if I don't sell enough, my family's going to st- not eat and we're going to not pay the mortgage. So uh, I was actually pretty healthy because it kept me making calls. Maybe at some time when I got tired of making calls, you know, making an appointment when I was tired of making appointments because it kind of kept me going. It didn't entrap me, so to speak, but it was kind of an encouraging thing, that mild fear of failure. That being said, fear of failure can become a trap. It can keep us from trying new things, from stepping out in faith, from doing what God wants us to do. When the fear of failure keeps us from taking that faith step, it really becomes a trap. Fear becomes a trap, and Satan would love for us to be in that trap so that we're just absolutely paralyzed and we can't move, so that we can't live out the vision that God has for each one of us, for us to thrive in God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. So we have fear of failure, and we can flip that 180 degrees, and we have another fear called fear of success. And it's kind of strange. You've got fear of success. Why would anybody not want to be successful? I mean, if you talk to somebody, I think everybody would at least verbally... Uh, at least to a certain level, say, I want to be successful. Fear of failure makes sense to us. Fear of failure doesn't make as much sense. We, um, we wonder, what is there to fear? Well, success itself might, might not be the fear, but it might be the side effect, what success brings. If I am successful in this particular area, I'm not talking about necessarily job titles or making a lot of money, but if I'm successful in this particular area, Will people expect me to, like, go to the next level? I mean, that gets a little bit scary when, when you, you know, try to do a good job and, and it's like, great job, great job. It's like, oh, great. Now what's next? And so it becomes a little bit like, oh, yikes, you know, I'm a little bit afraid. Or there could be some success. There could be this success track. What would the impact be on the people around me, on my family? Now, what changes do I need to make in order to be successful? And so that can be a trap, this uh, fear of success. Mm. You know, the thing we always need to remember is God created us to be successful. God didn't create us to be failures. If succeeding means to do what God created us to do, if succeeding means turning, um, turning, uh, tuning into God's will for our lives, 
if succeeding means staying focused on God and the direction God has for us. And, and then scripturally, the question is, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Well, I'll tell you who can be against us is Satan. Amen? Amen. Satan, Satan wants us not to succeed. Satan wants us to fail. And if we're not careful, we allow Satan's lies to fill our heads and fill our hearts with self-doubt and weakness so that we become paralyzed, not only by the fear of failure, but by the fear of success as well. Satan loves it when we are afraid that we will not succeed. (laughs) And Satan loves it even more when we are afraid that we will. Yeah. Sometimes our greatest fear is not that we will fail, but that we will truly succeed beyond our greatest dreams, that we will truly be all that God intended when God first thought of us. And we're just not sure what that looks like. We're just not sure how we or anyone else will handle that. And that, in turn, causes us to be fearful. You know, our culture is really uh, full of being successful, of climbing a ladder, of making a lot of money, of having a title. But to be truly successful is to be where God wants you to be. And it may not mean that, but it may just be leaning into God's call and plan for your life to make a difference right where you are. And that, too, can be scary. That can be afraid, scary. You know, there's a thread that kind of runs through these fears, you know, especially the fear of failure and the fear of success, and that is the fear of the unknown. We like to see what's ahead of us. It's like driving a car, and it's pitch black at night, and you can only see to hear. And so, you know, we want to see beyond Sometimes that fear of the unknown, um, you know, we don't step out because we're a little bit hesitant, we're a little bit cautious, and, and that can be good at times because knowing what's ahead does have some value, but not when it paralyzes us when we know that we need to keep moving, you know, in faith. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is talking about what it takes to be a disciple. That's a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says it's important to count the costs. Don't begin until you count the costs. So, yeah, we need to take some time and really look at things, but not allow that to keep us right where we are and not grow. Yeah, because if we allow the fear of the unknown to bind us, to ensnare us, to trap us, we will never step out in faith, will we? We'll, we'll never uh, step out and allow uh, follow where God is leading us because the way it usually works, God, um, God calls us and we step out in faith and then God blesses us. And God gives us a little bit of a window of what's coming, but not everything. If he showed us everything, it'd scare us to death. Probably. And so he, he, we st- take a faith step, and then we are blessed, not the other way around. And um, when we're entrapped by a fear of the unknown, we are going to absolutely be paralyzed when it comes to responding to Jesus' invitation to follow him. Remember in the beginning, I think it's in the Matthew chapter um, 4. Jesus is along the seashore there. And he says to Peter and Andrew, and then later to James and John, 
He says real simply, drop your nets and follow me. Sometimes, I'm not sure we really realize what that meant. That, that net, it represents their entire life. It represents their livelihood. I think it was Peter and Andrew. They had guys working for them. This was an operation. It wasn't just a, a couple guys. This was a business. James and John, they walked away from the boat where their father Zebedee was in the boat. They're walking away from family. They're walking away from co-workers. They're walking away from a business. Actually, it's their entire life that Jesus is saying, walk. And do you think he gave them a whole blueprint of what's coming? He didn't give them the company, you know, 401k pension plan, all that booklet. He just said, drop your net and follow me. They had no idea the entire picture was ahead, especially three years down the road when Jesus was going to be arrested and beaten and put on a cross. Drop your nets, follow me. And they said, okay. They, they didn't let fear paralyze. I'm sure they were a little bit scary. I'm sure they were kind of wondering what's going to happen. But they didn't let any fear trap them, immobilize them, and keep them from following the one who called them. Fear of the unknown can be a trap in our everyday life, especially when it comes to um, other people. When we meet someone who's different than us, who looks different, who might be of a different culture or a different uh, skin color than us, who sees the world different than we do, who is just in a different um, place in life than us. And we tend sometimes to be afraid of our differences instead of embracing our differences. And we tend at times out of that fear to build walls instead of break down those walls. And God calls us to not build walls, but to uh, walk it out in love with one another. To be welcoming, to break down the barriers that do exist. Mm -hmm. You know, when you read through the scriptures, especially... Matthew, Mark, Jane, uh, uh, Luke, and John, the, the gospel stories. Where we read about what Jesus said and did. Yeah, when you read that, you, you constantly see where Jesus is breaking down barriers between himself and others, between people. Breaking down differences. He, he constantly reached out to people no one else would reach out to. He constantly stepped over cultural lines that had been established. And you know... We cannot allow the fear of the unknown to trap us and keep us either from God and what God has to offer us or from one another and from what each other has to offer us. We need to constantly play, pray for strength and for courage that God would help us actually embrace the unknown. Not just not be fearful of it, but to embrace it. That we might find there through God and those around us, find, gosh, opportunities that we can't even imagine. We're, we, we need to remember the words of <clears throat> Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 1 and 2. Say it with me, will you? Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Yeah. You know, when Jesus was born, there was a lot of reason 
to be afraid, for people to fear. For example, when the angel told Mary that she would have a child and she was unmarried, she had a lot of reason to fear. When Joseph was visited by an angel and he found out that his fiance was pregnant and he was not the father, he had reason to fear. When the shepherds were in the field tending their sheep at night and had no idea what was going on, and then the next thing they knew, the sky lit up with the glory of the Lord, they had reason to fear. And each time, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds, there were two words that were spoken to them. Fear not. Fear not. That's because when Jesus is on the scene... There is no fear. When Jesus is there, we don't have to face the future unafraid. And Jesus is with us, whether we claim him or not. Mm. We have no reason to be afraid. Mm. John, 1 John four eighteen gives us some insight into this. Share it with me, will you? There is no, no fear, fear in love. love. But perfect perfect love love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus is that perfect love. And therefore, Jesus drives out fear. We don't have to be afraid of failure. We don't have to be afraid of success. We don't have to be afraid of the unknown. Our call is to have faith in Jesus Christ. And faith and fear do not occupy the same space. On the evening of the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, his followers, it was in the last hours that they were together, the disciples were very fearful, not knowing what was going to happen, wondering what was coming next. And their Lord was was taken, was beaten, was arrested. And what did they do? They scattered. They scattered because they were paralyzed with fear. Now, we can't really blame them because we might respond the same way. But this is, you know, real people. They were paralyzed with fear. Their fears of the unknown. Well, three days later, on the evening of that first Easter, they had known that the grave was empty. And so they were together. They were huddled in this upper room. And the doors were locked because they were afraid. Jesus came right in and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And they were overjoyed. Can you just imagine after the fear that they felt of that unknown and then the resurrected Christ in their midst saying, Peace be with you. Well, then, uh, you know, another week passed, and, and they found themselves again in the upper room. And guess what? Their doors were locked, and they were huddled down because they were afraid. And it happened again, right through the walls. Jesus walks in the resurrected Christ. Peace be with you. Hmm. It's a real difficult to um, be fearful when we're at peace, isn't it? In fact, 
that doesn't, they're opposite. If you're at peace, it doesn't make sense that you would be fearful. They don't go together. Jesus brings us peace. In Scripture, we, we read where it says the peace that goes beyond understanding. What does that mean? Well, that means that a normal person, a rational person, a person with any kind of thing, it's a situation where they should be fearful. In the book of Acts, we read where Paul and Silas have been beaten and then thrown into prison. Maybe not justified, but they were. They should be upset. They should be yelling, screaming, hollering, hurting. But they're singing hymns at midnight. And when an earthquake opens the door, they don't escape. But they try to convert the jailer, and they go to his house, and they bring somebody to Jesus. Why? Because they were at peace. They knew the peace that passes all understanding because... (laughs) A rational mind would have been fearful in that situation. But when Jesus is with us, it goes beyond <laughs> rational, doesn't it? It goes beyond understanding. That's, that's the peace that Jesus brings us. And, and it reminds me of a bumper sticker. I haven't seen it for a while, but it's a great bumper sticker. You might want to mentally bumper sticker this into your brain here. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus. No peace. (laughs) So there are times when we're fearful. There are times I know in my life where, you know, I I might be in a situation. I'm not sure what I'm going to walk into, that fear of the unknown. And my heart's like pounding and, you know, I'm feeling a little bit like, oh, no. And so what do I do? Well, I just utter the name of Jesus over and over and over. You know, as I'm driving in the car, as I'm at night, whatever I'm doing, if I'm sensing a fear that comes in, and we all have that from time to time, I just start saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because when Jesus is on our lips, you know, that's our focus instead of the fear. I've also committed some scripture to memory, and we hope that you are too. That's, you know, we, we ask that, you know, a whole lot of weeks. We talk about the importance of that because when we get to these places where we have this fear of our unknown, you know, a scripture can come into our head and we can utter it like um, Exodus fourteen fourteen. I will fight for you, says the Lord. You only need to be still. That's my scripture. I will fight for you. When I went to India and I had no idea what I was walking into, it was a different culture. I, they, I couldn't understand a word they said, and there was danger in places where we were, and they had never seen in some places a white woman. It was a little scary. I will fight for you, says the Lord. You only need to be still. And so I was still in his arms. I was still in the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities. This is in Romans. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Take these scripture sentences. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I have come to bring you life and bring it abundant, in abundant, in the full. Mercy and compassion are new every day. Open your Bible. Read the scripture. Take it in. Because when we are hit with moments of fear in that unknown, we just need to cling and claim Jesus Christ. We hope that that's what you'll do the next time, which could be today, where you're faced with some fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of success. Jesus came to bring us peace so that fear is gone. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, um, you have wired us such that uh, we are afraid at times. And, and today our, our topic is to not allow that fear to paralyze us, to grip us, so that we can't even take a next step. But to rest in your arms, to depend on you, that you are, are here, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that there's no place where we can be where we're out of your grip. Thank you, God, for that. Almighty God, if there's anyone in this place that is experiencing fear that prevents them from taking the next step that you would want them to take, Lord, we pray that they won't leave with that, that they'll be able to dump it at your feet. Thank you, Lord, for your peace, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you that you are a sovereign God. We pray this in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.